This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 296, recorded Thursday, December 1st, 2016. It's officially December. It feels like winter outside now. And it's pretty cold. Yeah, we've had a very warm November. Unusually warm, but it's dropped a little bit today, so it's starting to feel like winter. It is starting to feel like Christmas. Everyone's got their Christmas lights up. I don't. I meant to do it last weekend. I couldn't do it. Couldn't find the time. I'm going to do it this weekend. I'm in the same boat, my friend. I, I'm I'm going to do it this weekend, too. Um, and it's episode number 296. We are creeping ever so close to 300, Jason. Yes. It's very, very exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to number 300. Um, we're going to record that one with our shirts off all oiled up like the 300 Spartans, right? What, like I don't do that every time? Oh, sorry, you're right. <laughs> we got we to gotta put the video on more often. I'm going to put a shirt on for the 300th episode, and it's going to feel really weird. <laughs> it's just not going to be right. It's not gonna, yeah. yeah, it's not going to throw you all off. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Having a shirt on. Okay, well, let's dive right in. We are, of course, here to do our feedback for Season 7, Episode 6. Um, but I first want to do a little bit of this. The Walking Dead News. So you weren't here last week when we did the feedback, Jason. Um, but Christina and I talked about the ratings for the show. Yes. And I don't know if you've been following along or not, but there's a little bit of controversy happening with the ratings. Oh, they started using a different number system? Yeah, the ratings are now base. Quinary? Quinary. What does that mean? Yep, the fifth, five, fifth number system, or not the fifth number system, but a five-based number system. Base five. Okay. No, they didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, because that's confusing. One, two, three, four, five, or one, two, zero, one, two, three, four, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, twenty. It's just, it's all messed up. <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Unless you understand it. So, no, it's not that they've changed the number system. It is that uh, season seven is experiencing... Some low ratings. Low ratings? Yes. But I'm still watching. And don't they base all the ratings on whether or not I watch? Well, they, they certainly do. But if it's only you, they're not too happy about it. Oh, so sucks. here's what's going on. You, you may remember that season seven, episode one had extremely high ratings, 17.03 million viewers, mm -hmm. which was the second highest all time, uh, second only to the season five premiere. Well, season seven, episode two, just to review quickly, had the single biggest drop of the series from premiere to episode two. It dropped down to 12.46. Nothing to sneeze at, but compared to the first episode, it was a massive drop. Uh, from there, we went to episode three at 11.72, episode four at 11.4, episode five, 11. And... That episode, number five, was the lowest rated episode since, ooh, I want to say sometime in season three or four. Hmm. Episode six had 10.4, and it is definitely the lowest rated episode since the first half of season three. Um, before which, that- Which is the half of the season where nothing happened. 
is you remember the, we had we basically had a whole not, whole lot of nothing until uh, or is that season two? Season two was Herschel's Farm, right? Yes, season two. Okay, was the first Farm. half of season two was when no, nothing happened. Okay, but I think the first half of season three was the sickness in the prison, was it not? Yeah, that, yeah. So not a lot happened in that either. No. Um, but the point is, lowest episode since the beginning of season three, first half of season three. Now, it's. It seems silly to complain because 10.4 million is nothing to sneeze at. It's still an awful lot of people. The Walking Dead is still generally the highest rated cable show on TV. But when you compare it to itself, it's actually not doing very well. Um, And you have to think that people involved may be getting a little restless, a little concerned. And, you know, who knows what is going to happen. But what I want to ask you, Jason, off, you know, put you on the spot here, which I love to sure. do. And I love to be on this spot. <laughs> it's a nice spot to be on, right? It is, yeah. Is, is, there, is there an explanation for this that you can think up in your mind? Is there a reason that we are seeing such low ratings in season seven? Uh, I have two possibilities that are uh, running around in my head and having various kick fights because uh, they're just kicking each other, trying to, trying to, uh, get dominance in my brain. Okay. The first one is that, uh, well, it's a, more of a question. Is it possible, Christopher, that we've achieved or are about to achieve zombie saturation? Um, it's possible. Yeah, I would say it's possible. Uh, and by that, you mean sort of critical mass for zombie uh, pop culture. Zombie pop culture, have we, uh, you know, as as a society, has the zeitgeist had enough of zombies? Do you think that's... It happened with, uh, it happened with vampires, I think. Yeah, maybe. Um, I was never really into vampires, but, 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 but do you mean, like, just in general, like, zombie properties in general, like, everything, yes. TV, movies, books, everything, or are you talking Walking Dead? Have people been around the walking dead long enough now that they're starting to drop off. I think it's I I think not only zombie uh related pop culture stuff, all yeah. things zombie, but uh, maybe even apocalypse uh stuff where you know it's the end of the world, society's broken down. We've had a number of those television shows over the last number of years uh where it's it's you know it's the end of the world as we know it and now we get to deal with uh, humanity being generally assholes and uh <laughs> you know, having to deal with that for yeah. whatever reason. There's Falling Sky with Aliens. There's this show. There was, uh, uh, oh, I can't even remember. There was one where they went back in time for some reason to dinosaurs. That was sort of like an apocalyptic kind of thing. Yeah. Remember that show? No, I don't. But that, I mean, there's the 100 too, which I haven't yeah. watched very much of, but I think that's along those lines. Yeah. So this is this is my worry is that this kind of thing has sort of started to play out. And I, you know, I like this show and I want it to keep going, but, uh, as a general kind of thing, I don't watch other zombie properties because I'm worried about getting oversaturated and starting to get a little bit tired. So I don't really watch other stuff like this. Yeah. Okay. So zombie sort of critical mass saturation kind of, I I agree with you. I think that could be a problem. What's your second theory? It's Christmas. It's Christmas and uh, people are like, you know what? I don't want to feel bad about, uh, you know, some really nice people being killed. You know, I'm going to 
you know, the, the Walking Dead's going to be there in the, in in January when I want to come back to it, and uh, or when it comes back from its break, they're going to do uh, AMC's going to do uh, what do you call those things with the with the playing TV shows at one after another <laughs> marathons. A marathon. Yeah. I was, had very long night last night, so I'm very tired tonight. Your son was uh, so had a marathon evening. It sounds like he had a marathon uh, <laughs> night last night, yeah. and it's been a long 24 hours. Believe yeah. me. Uh, so they'll do a marathon, so it'll be there. Right now, I want to watch. Uh, I want to watch Christmas Story. I want to watch Elf. I want to feel good about uh, good about things. So maybe, uh, you know, twenty sixteen for a lot of people has been a a, a shit crappy year, and maybe they just want to you know have a buddy find his way to New York and uh, reconnect with his father. I mean, it's 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 a feel good movie. Yeah, I, I love that movie. Um, interesting idea. I hadn't considered that. I think that's why. AMC, one of the reasons they take, you know, the hiatus, you know, they, they create the hiatus because over the holidays, people might not want to watch a zombie property. Frankly, I would, it would be all right, I think, but uh, maybe they do. I mean, there are other reasons too. There's the NFL playoffs, I guess, and the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. They don't want to compete with that. And maybe there's other things going on. Um, But uh, the real I mean, the other reason I could think of, and it relates more directly to the show, is that one, we had the cliffhanger at season six, we come back season seven, and we have the whole Negan thing, a couple of beloved characters are killed off, and there there's, has to be a certain group of people who just couldn't handle that. I mean, there was, a, there was a lot of people who said after the season seven premiere, that's it, I'm never watching this again, and it, the numbers kind of reflect that. Like, you think seven, they meant it? Well, that's the thing. I don't think everyone who said it meant it, but there might be some. I don't know. I, I can't understand that mentality myself because I personally like to see something all the way through, right? I rarely watch a show and then stop watching it. Um, but there could be. I mean, that could explain the 17 million down to 12 million in one week. Um, but the other thing is this season on the whole... I don't think has been loved by a lot of people because they've been bottle episoding a lot, right? We've got the Negan, we've got the Heath and Tara, uh, recently we've got the Morgan and Carol, and it feels like they're jumping all over the place, they're introducing all these communities, and I think there's a lot of people who just aren't feeling it anymore. They're not quite on board with the show as much as they were when it was about one core group of characters. A big group, but it was still a familiar group, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, another possibility that just jumped into my head uh, and added its kicks to the fray is uh, maybe you know the last couple of years we've had uh, we've had The Walking Dead in chunks of eight episodes, right? We had eight episodes and then a break. Everybody take a breath, and then we have eight episodes and then we have another break. Now we've got Fear the Walking Dead. That you know butted right up against this uh, this this thing. So we had all of the Fear the Walking Dead episodes and then our eight episode chunk. Maybe people are just like, I've had my zombie quota for uh, for the year. I think I'm going to take a break. That's an in- another interesting thought. I hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me too. I mean, that plays into your first theory that it's just zombie saturation, right? There's too much Walking Dead out there now. At least on TV, there's, in my opinion, there's always been a little bit too much Walking Dead when you factor in absolutely everything. (laughs) Um, And I, I, you know, I, people might be surprised to hear me say that, but I feel like The Walking Dead is just 
gone everywhere. You can't think of a medium that it that it hasn't invaded in one way or another. I mean, it's, it's happened uh, with things that you've ne- you never thought would ever happen. Uh, look at the Spice Girls. You know, how, how could anybody ever get enough of the Spice Girls? And then one day they show up on an award show and they get booed. And then it just, the whole, everything just went for a, you know, a, a, a shit can. Their career just went shit canned after that. And uh, now they're starting to make a comeback, believe it or not. But uh, you know what happened to the Spice Girls? It happened to Hanson. I mean, who could ever get enough of Mbop? But it happened. It sure did. Are, are the Spice Girls really making a comeback? <laughs> I think they're. Uh, I think they're. We're starting to work together. Oh, interesting. I, think I, I saw that somewhere. I don't I'm know. Excited. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> I'm the most vocal closet Spice Girls fan ever. <laughs> well, because I'll tell everybody, but I tell everybody I'm a closet fan, but I'm really not. You're really not. You're just an outright fan of the Spice Girls, right from the get go. Do you have a favorite? Uh, I've gone through every one of them has been my favorite. I think overall, with a little bit of perspective, it's Sporty Spice, uh, Mel C. Just because I think uh, out of all of the uh, the Spice Girls, I think she has the strongest voice. Is she the one married to David Beckham? Uh, no, that's uh, that's Sporty. I'm uh, sorry, that's Posh Spice. Oh, Posh. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, sporty I Spice. Uh, I don't know yeah. who's who. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> yeah, she I did guess a so. she did a, a duet with uh, Brian Adams that really really. I really, really like their voices really work well together. Okay. I'll have to seek that out. Anyhow, Spice Girls are coming <laughs> back, but they, even they went out of fashion for a while. And I think maybe, maybe the Walking Dead is feeling it. So anyways, here we are. We've had six episodes of season seven. Ratings are dropping like a rock and we'll see what happens in the next two. It is interesting. I wonder if there's going to be any actual fallout from this. Um, but I would think they're, there, there has to be. I mean, TV executives are not known for their patience, I don't think. And I think in some cases they are known for knee-jerk reactions when something doesn't seem to be going how they think it should. So I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. Do it. I think that if the ratings continue to go this way and there isn't some sort of uptick. Now, sorry, I should say I do think there will be an uptick for the end of the for the mid-season finale there usually is yeah. but in general if we look at season seven if the average is down considerably i'm gonna predict right now based on the history of this show that scott gimple who's the showrunner will not come back for season eight or if he does he will be gone by the mid-season finale of season I eight i can't do that my Why poor not? heart can't take it <laughs> losing another showrunner no, well, say it isn't so. He's number three, um, three in, you know, seven years. Now, he's at this point well into developing season eight, uh, of course, and season eight has officially been renewed. Um, but I think if if this season seven doesn't sort of turn out the way AMC hoped, I wouldn't be surprised to see him gone by the midpoint of season eight. I never want to be a showrunner. There's so much stress and you always get the blame for everything. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes. I mean, it's not the directors, right? Because the director changes oh. every every episode. It's not like a movie where the director is the guy in control. He's making that movie. Yeah, he, directors don't make TV shows. They they direct individual episodes, and the showrunner and the writers make TV shows. I think. Yeah, absolutely. You're totally right. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think Scott Gimple. My prediction is if the average for season seven is way down. I think Scott Gimple is going to be booted to the curb, poor guy. Yeah, I I fear that you might be right, 
And it makes me sad because <laughs> I don't want to lose another showrunner. No, no. I, in a way, I don't either. I mean, you need... He's been around for a while, but you need time to tell your story. So we'll see. This might be a, a mood question, but maybe our listeners uh, that... You know, if there are listeners out there that listen to the podcast that stopped watching the show, let us know why. But that's kind of uh, a weird question to ask because this is not really the forum for... Uh, you know, people who don't watch the show. No, but we do have listeners that don't watch the show. I hear from them occasionally. There are some. I You'd be surprised at how often I hear from listeners who say, I'm about to stop watching this show. Yeah. <laughs> now, most of them don't. But I also hear from people who say, the only reason I still watch the show is to listen to you guys podcast about it. Well, that's absolutely the, the right decision. I think so. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But if there are any listeners out there or, you know, talk to your friends and family. And if you know of anybody who stopped watching the show, find out why and let us know. Like, even if it's simple as I forgot to pay my cable bill for six months in a row and they cut me off and I no longer can watch AMC. I have no way of watching it. I just stopped watching it. And you know what? I don't care that much. Yeah. So, you know, that that's a valid reason. Uh, you know, did they stop watching it because, uh, you know, the saturation on the, the color was turned down and I didn't like that. I want my, uh, I want my television shows to be, you know, vibrant and lively. This is a little more toned down than I like. Which is ironic so since, watching it. since yeah. the comic is in black and white. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so yeah, that, that would be interesting. Um, it's going to be funny if that many people write in and say, yeah, I stopped watching, but you know, we have thousands of people listening to us who aren't watchers, but Hey, you never know. All right. So that's my crazy prediction for, you know, this season, the next season, we'll see what happens. All right, man. We talked about that longer than I thought, but hopefully it was kind of interesting. Let's move on into our feedback. Sure. Listener feedback. All right. So this is listener feedback for season seven, episode six. We will start with a call from Emily in Arizona. Now, her call isn't directly related to this episode, but uh, she brings up an interesting point about something we've talked about a fair bit, so wanted to include it. Here's Emily. Hey, guys. It's Emily from Arizona. Uh, I just had a couple thoughts about when you guys were talking about if Negan is overacting the part or Jeffrey Dean Morgan is overacting the part. And I have a different theory about that. I think that Negan is hamming it up on purpose in front of everybody. Uh, much like Ezekiel does um, in front of everybody in the kingdom, I believe both characters are playing a part for one reason or another in front of their people. I believe Ezekiel is doing it to give hope to his people, and Negan is doing it to keep control of his people. So I think um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's uh, portrayal of Negan is actually very good. And I think that Negan, the character, is hamming it up in front of his people. And I think if you were to get Negan by himself, you might be able to see a little bit more of the real Negan. So I'd be interested to know what you guys think. Uh, love the show, guys. Thanks. Bye. Right on. Thanks, Emily. So I like that point, Jason. What do you think about that, that the 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 characters themselves are playing characters more or less, right? To to portray a certain thing to their followers. I, I like that idea. I think that uh, that would be a reasonable, not reasonable, but I think that would be an interesting way of, uh, uh, of looking at it because we'd have those parallels. We'd have Ezekiel, uh, even uh, Dwight, 
we know, we don't know, but we suspect is playing a character when he's around Negan. So uh, maybe Negan himself is playing uh, a character and he's, you know, Negan's hamming up the character rather than Jeffrey Dean Morgan hamming up the character. Does that make it better or worse for you, Chris? That makes it better for me because it's 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 within the universe of the show then, right? It's not Jeffrey Dean Morgan doing a questionable job. And I, I hate to even say that because I do think he's doing a fine job. Um, but if, but if Negan is doing that in order to keep a persona up for his followers, then that's okay. I mean, that's totally fine. That's exactly what Ezekiel was doing. He was being this regal king like character, giving people hope, giving people someone to follow that they can feel good about following. Negan is in a way doing the same thing by being, sort of wacky, funny, having a lot of one-liners and just, you know, hamming it up as he walks around brutalizing people. He's got the type of followers who respond to that. And so it does make it better for me. And I think this whole idea holds a little bit of water because when we have conversations between Negan and one individual like Dwight, he's not as bad. Do you remember the scene where him and... You know, him and Negan and Dwight are standing there and uh, Negan, you know, offers Dwight a go with uh, his, his, uh, his ex-wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like it's, while his wife, he's like, would you like to have a go with your wife? That's right. No, it's okay, man. I'm, I'm cool. Yeah, that's right. No, nope. <laughs> uh, she's, she's good. I'm good. She's yours now. Uh, no, but like, think about it. Negan wasn't nearly as hammy in that scene. And that's, that's because true. he's with one guy and he's with as he said, one of his best guys. So he doesn't need to ham it up as much. So Emily could be onto something and it makes me feel better about the whole thing. All right. So it boils down to if it's, uh, if it's Negan doing it, it's fine. If it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan doing it, it's Scott Gimple's fault. Right. And he's about that's to where, be- that's where the buck stops, right? Cause it, it's everything's Scott Gimple's fault. Jeffrey Dean Morgan can't blame him for anything. He's just doing what he's told. One way or the other, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is playing this character the way that the uh, that they've you know talked to him. They've given him notes. They say, you know, more. Give me, give me more. I want you to play it like uh, a wet orange on a on a hill during a storm. I need, I need more. <laughs> yes, I need. And he knows what that means, and he's doing it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and as we just determined, Scott Gimple's about to be fired anyways, so things could all change. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, all right, that's uh, that's fantastic. Thank you, Emily, for uh, bringing me around. I feel much better now. <laughs> Good. All right, next we have uh, an email from Jason in Baltimore. I think Tara washed up on the western shore of Chesapeake Bay, not the beach on the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, the western shore of Chesapeake Bay is sandy, has small waves similar to a real beach. A beach like this may be a short distance from any bridge near the Chesapeake. All right, so this is in reference to you wondering about how she could fall off a bridge in a river, wash all the way out to sea, and then come back in again. And Jason's point here, Jason from Baltimore's point, is very, very good. If you look at a map, Jason, and and look up Washington and Alexandria, uh, the Chesapeake Bay is right there, which is a huge bay separated from the rest of the Atlantic Ocean. Right. And any river running out from there would go into that bay and she'd probably turn around and float right back into a beach that looks just like the beach she washed up on. 
Right. So basically, it's uh, it's two things. One, it's a lesson in geography, mm-hmm. which is good. And two, it's a uh, Chris and Jason. You live on uh, some of the largest lakes in the freaking world. You know, you don't have to assume that every shoreline is an ocean. You idiots. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if we can go back to that uh, uh, tip we gave everyone about how to make sure someone really understands something. Yeah. What was it? You start with listen and end it yeah. with you idiots. You idiots. That's right. Listen. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Listen. The Chesapeake Bay is right there. She probably didn't float out to ocean and out to the ocean, and she washed up on a nice normal beach, and it's totally plausible. You idiots. Yeah. Jason used to camp on uh, the shore of Lake Superior and the damn thing has tides. Uh, (laughs) You know, not every body of water is an ocean. It seems so logical when you say it now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Anyways, it's- I I got it. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So do I. Thank you. Uh, So am I. Thank you, Jason in Baltimore. That was, uh, that was a good clarifying email for us. Next up is Perry in Oregon. Perry says, there's something I've been thinking ever since the first episode of season seven. Each episode since then has only served to reinforce my inkling and has also shown Negan's enormous weak spot. Negan is very calculating in the choices he makes in the semicircle in the woods. He bashes Abraham, Glenn, and takes Daryl. He assessed the men in the group and dismantled Rick's command structure. The other men in the circle were not perceived to be a threat. Next... We see episode after episode of women demonstrating strength, resourcefulness, and grit. We have Carol, Rosita, Michonne, Maggie, Sasha, and now Tara. I think Negan vastly underestimates women. The community of Oceanside was the clincher for me. At Alexandria, he takes all their guns, but Oceanside gets to keep all of theirs, and he kills all their menfolk. I'll bet we'll see him regret this oversight. That's, yeah, that's a really good point. Oh my God, Perry. Another amazing point. I'm, I'm feeling so good about everyone's feedback so far this episode because it's just opening up new ideas in my mind that are amazing. <laughs> I think Perry is really, really onto something here. Negan yeah. completely underestimates women and it's going to be the ladies of the show that are instrumental in taking him down. Yep. And when it's you, going to be suffrage. I tell, I'm telling you. When you when you lay it out like this, it just seems so obvious, right? Think about the episodes we've had. We've had Carol, you know, on one hand coming to terms with the way she feels about things, and it feels a little bit like she's going to be gone for a while. She's found some peace, but maybe not. Um, and then, as he said, we've got Rosita, you know, who's trying to step up and do something. Michonne, who's out there practicing shooting and still has her katana. Uh, Maggie, who obviously just wants revenge and is stepping up to be a, a leader who presumably looks like it's going to, she might take over leadership at the hilltop. And she's going to have a baby that's going to grow up and kill Negan. <laughs> sure. Maybe <laughs> she's going to have a baby. Uh, you know, Sasha, who's supporting Maggie and, uh, Tara who had her own episode and frankly, you know, did her thing. So, uh, and, and look good doing it. So. I think they may be onto something. And now we've got all these women at the, at the ocean side. Um, the only part of this theory I'm not hundred percent on board with is I don't think Negan necessarily let them keep their guns and killed all the men. I think the, the idea was he killed all the men and then the women ran away and hid. Right. So they took their guns with them. Maybe Negan was going to, he was planning to take them, but didn't, but 
the end of the day, they still have their weapons and no men, whereas at Alexandria, they've got a lot of their men and no weapons. Right. So. Yeah, it's a very good point. I think uh, you might be onto something there for sure. I think that's what we're looking, that's what we're leading towards. Negan just underestimates women and he's not going to see it coming because whatever they end up doing, he's not going to see coming because it's, you know, it's led by Maggie and Sasha and Terrell and Rosita and Carol and whoever else. Mm-hmm. I like it. Me too. Thank you, Perry. All right, next we have Sarah in Chicago, Illinois. A listener sent in a holy crap about Eugene's face, and Chris made a comment about wanting to hear that conversation. I completely agree. Yes. Gimple, (laughs) yeah. Gimple explained that after uh, the final episode of season six, that season seven would be about the grief of our remaining characters. We didn't get to hear our people explain to the Alexandrians what Negan did to Glenn and Abe. Then we get a, uh, we get shortchanged hearing Tara receive the news. I'm going to be sorely disappointed if we are deprived of that moment with Carol and Morgan too. If this season is about how people work through their grief, why don't we get to experience these emotional moments? Not cool. Not cool at all. That shit is not cool. We're yeah. going to shut that shit down. Shut Jason. that shit down. Um, so here we go. Like uh, Scott Gimple, poor guy. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's being dragged through the ringer on this episode, I think. But uh, he is the one who said that season seven is going to be about the grief and the mourning of, of our characters. And so far, I feel like we haven't seen any of that. Like, well, we haven't heard it. Sarah We've seen says. it a little bit, faces here and there. But uh, yeah, we need to. Uh, if it's going to be about grief, we should hear about grief, not about uh, uh, Morgan being his uh, flamboyant dick. <laughs> Morgan being a flamboyant. Not Morgan, uh, Negan. Negan, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, in a long night. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's we didn't get to see, we saw it. We didn't get the conversation, Tara getting the news. We just saw her sitting on the floor playing with the bobblehead. I didn't feel like that was enough. And I mean, sure, maybe there'll be more of it. Maybe we will get some of these conversations. And I'm also not saying that we need nothing but characters sitting around telling each other what happened, because that's not going to make for great TV either. Um, but, but, but But I think, you know, Sarah makes a good point in that we haven't really got any of it. We've gotten Negan being a big dick and Rick sort of cowering and not being able to do anything about it. And then we've got these bottle episodes of other characters who were, it feels like more we're getting caught up with them instead of, instead of the show telling the story of the fallout from what happened in the forest. And uh, I know the season's not over. In fact, the half season isn't even over yet, so it still could come. Uh, but they're taking a long time to get there, mm. right? So that's that's that. Uh, next up, thank you, Sarah, for that. Next up is a call from George in Byron Bay, Australia. Hey, guys, it's George from Byron Bay, Australia. Just wanted to call in about the dead shit emotional reaction that Tara gave to losing Denise at the end of the episode. Uh, I think they wasted that... Uh, scene trying to pour too much into her establishing a connection with Cindy. Um, you know, like she, you know, she told Denise she was going to come back and tell her she loved her, and you know, obviously was thinking about her on the on the road with the doctor 
bobblehead and everything, so why in the blue fuck did she come back and, you know, not even say anything about it, to be fair, really nothing emotionally moving about it, uh, not only that, but she had a very, you know, emotional connection with um, Glenn and Abraham, because she spent the entire of season 4B while she was a main character with them, and Glenn brought her to the group. Uh, you know, Glenn saved her right at the start of her character, basically. And, you know, she doesn't even have a reaction to them, though we see, which is a bit disappointing. Maybe she'll have one at the hilltop when she goes to the graves in the future, but I just felt like after a whole episode of being with her, that kind of emotional reaction would have been helped. Not only that, <clears throat> but... um they could have just deleted something like he throwing the fucking bottle or her putting the finger up at the little girl just so they could, you know, put a little bit in the script of her uh, having an emotional reaction, I think. I think it kind of... The scene was used wrong. I think it should have been used just to focus on Denise instead of the really bullshit ending we got instead. It should have been really moving and it simply was not. Uh, love to hear you guys' thoughts. Keep up the great work. See you later. So I, I think George may be on to something here. Uh, I think if they had just changed the conversation at the end with Rosita, it could still be Rosita, but have them talk about Denise or talk about Glenn and Abraham instead of Rosita being single-mindedly focused on those guns. Yeah. You know, and... And that scene didn't work for me because it was, as you said on Monday, too sort of on point, right? Uh, and, and, and they do need to have that conversation because they've dangled all those guns in front of us. I mean, it, it seems obvious that that's going to come up at some point. So I think those conversations need to be had, but it doesn't feel like it was the right time. And if they just made that scene focus on Tara coming to terms with what she missed and what she's lost, I think the whole thing would have just worked a lot better for me. And as George said, you know, I didn't think of it at the time, but now it seems like he seems right. Like they're, they could have cut out a, a few things here or there, like he throwing the, the beer bottle to, to see if, you know, any zombies react. Doesn't seem all that necessary. Uh, giving the finger to the little girl. Eh, I don't know. I mean, did it add anything to the episode? Not really. No. So if it was gone in favor of a little bit more conversation at the end or Tara reacting to the news, I think it might have worked better. I think uh, Scott Gimple said that this season was going to be about grief. So far, it seems like this season's going to be about guns. And that worries me a little bit. It does. It does, doesn't it? I mean, everything has been, we're taking your guns. Where are we going to get more guns? Uh, oh, I found a gun, uh, but I don't have any bullets, you know. Right. Where we're going to make me bullets, uh, you know, we got to buy, we got to buy guns. <laughs> we got to go uh, find some guns. We're going to make some bullets. We're going to cause some shit. We're going to shoot some guys. It does, you know? actually. Oh, oh, and I'm sad about, you know, you know, uh, the love of my life dying and uh, two people that I really, really cared about. Uh, you assume that I'm sad about that because you should be. Yeah, they're glossing over that and focusing on the the weapons that they don't have anymore, right? Yeah. So it's it's some interesting. Maybe it'll all come together in the end, Jason. And and maybe. And one of the things I'm going to do when this is all said and done is I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the whole series from the beginning, marathon this sucker through, 
and see how I feel about it when I can watch the episodes back to back to back. I, I don't know if that's entirely fair because we can't do that now. They come out once a week and if they don't work once a week, then that's not great. Yeah. Uh, when they're not released all at once. So I don't know. Well, maybe you could watch them in parallel, like watch them all at the same time. <laughs> I'll get hundred TVs, <laughs> turn on everything all at once and see what happens. I saw there was on YouTube, uh, somebody, you know, YouTube has those 360 degree videos now where you can actually scan around and see what, uh, yeah. uh and look in a direction that you choose. They, uh, they had this 360, 360 degree thing where they played all the episodes of the Simpsons at the same time. And you could focus in on one particular section and watch that episode if you wanted. That's crazy. So it is pretty crazy. It was like completely useless. You can't actually watch watch them. No. Because some of them, like if you look straight down, there's like 30 episodes that are in like a square inch. And you can't <laughs> uh, you can't watch that. But you could, instead of just watching them in serial, one at a time, back to back to back marathon, maybe you could watch them in parallel. Just like throw them all on a screen and watch them all at the same time and see if any patterns emerge. Oh, there might be. That doesn't sound... Like a lot of fun. It seems it's, watching the <laughs> Simpsons like that seems like it, it's like a Simpsons mosaic of TV yeah. episodes. Uh, and there's sufficient episodes. Obviously, there's like millions of episodes of the Simpsons, but I think there's enough of Walking Dead now after seven years to uh, make that an aggravating experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. And maybe Denise, uh, you know, her grief uh, will manifest in a collection of bobbleheads. So now that she has a Dr. Denise bobblehead, maybe she'll go out and try and find an Abraham and a Glenn bobblehead so that she can use them as her uh, f- grief fo- focus. Focuses? Foci? Foci. Focal points. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. She'll, Tara will collect a bunch of bobbleheads. And Who did I say? Denise. Okay, so Tara will do it because Denise is dead. She got an arrow in the eye by Dwight. She sure did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can remember that at least. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to try and get through this. Next, we have an email from Michael in London. He writes, I was really dreading this week's episode. I was not a fan of Tara in the slightest and could be quite easily have let her get lost in the woods for a few years. However, when I got round to watching, I loved this episode. I'm not sure if it was because of my expectations were so low, but I thought Alana Masterson was terrific. She showed some great acting and Tara really came across as powerful and showed real leadership qualities, especially in the diner scene when she was, uh, or sorry, the dinner scene when she was telling the other women to accept other people into their lives and not everyone are enemies. Yeah, I, I had no problem with Alana Masterson in this episode. I think she did a great job. It might not have been the, well, we've been over it. It's not, it's not really the greatest episode of this, the show's ever done, but she was okay in it. And I enjoy watching her and I like her character. You know, I like Tara as a character. She's, she's the only character on this show that sometimes keeps a somewhat jovial attitude. You know, she's funny. She, she cracks jokes. She fist bumps everybody. And she tried to fist bump the old lady and it didn't work. And like (laughs) that stuff is, that stuff is endearing. And I like that. And so I'm totally, I'm totally, uh, on board with what Alana Masterson is doing. Um, so that's good. I'm glad Michael enjoyed this and you know, it's, there's, there's definitely something to, to like in this episode. Yeah. So the rule of thumb is, if you like something, it's the actor you like. If you dislike something, Scott Gimple's fault. <laughs> Goddamn Scott Gimple. <laughs> right? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, okay. He so has, as long as I got that clear. He has to take all the blame. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, next is Miles in San Francisco. Did you notice we've had a Jason and a Miles write in? We have, yes, I've noticed this. That's I'm, funny. I, I, track, I track Jason's and Miles's. Do you? <laughs> Good. <laughs> How many other Jason Miles's out there do you think there are? Uh, I met one. Well, I didn't meet him, but uh, he friended me on Facebook. He was my name twin. For a little while, there was Jason Miles. Uh, he's no long. He no longer is my friend. He unfriended me at some point. But uh, <laughs> he decided I like Jason Miles's, but not that one. He was a high school kid. I didn't really Ooh. pay a lot of attention, but he said, "Hey, you're my name twin. Let's be friends." Okay. Okay. And then later he's like, oh, "That's a little weird," and he just went on his merry way. Yeah, that's funny. That's the only real actual Jason Miles I've I've met. And there was a character called uh, Jason Miles on uh, an episode of Law and Order once, which I thought was fun. That's fun to have your name used in pop culture. Yeah, and that's it. I've uh, I've never met another Chris Fairhurst, but uh, I know there are some out there. One is a famous horse trainer in the UK. Nice. Uh, and I was in an art gallery once in London. England, and I found, came across some art by a guy named Angus Fairhurst, which I thought was awesome. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, that was fun. Um, and then- change one of your kids' names to Angus. Well, I'm not so sure that's great for a girl, but- That's fine. Yeah. Angusina. Angusette? Angusette works. (laughs) All right. I'll, uh, I'll run that by them tomorrow and see what they think. Good luck. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know why, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but in t- funny name things that have happened to me, I was once on a conference call at work with two people named Kevin Smith, neither, <laughs> neither of which were the actual <laughs> Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah. did, did you mention it to them? Um, I don't think I did. No. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> it's like, hey, you guys are both Kevin Smith. You know Kevin Smith? Yeah. You ever heard of him? Uh, No. Funny enough. Of course you have. Yeah. Rogue clerks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Miles in San Francisco writes, what was the significance of there being bullets in the big sand pile? Were they empty shells that somehow tipped off Heath that there were walkers in the sand? So they were you, empty shells. Yeah. So you know what he's talking about. Just as Tara's pulling yeah. out the bag, he uncovers some empty shells uh, and then he suddenly seems to know that something bad is about to happen, but it's too late because she pulled the bag out and unsettled all the sand. What was the significance? I don't think there was any significance, frankly. I think it was a, uh, a way of conveying, uh-oh, to the audience. Well, read the next email here because I think, I think uh, this next listener is on to something. All right. So podcast Ken in Arkansas, uh, he writes, I believe the bridge was a blockade and a trap. It is to stop anyone from going over the bridge and comes preloaded with a sand back, uh, sand block trap. Uh, once you try, once you try to get up there to cross the bridge, uh, you will have to deal with trying to uh, move the sand. But then, surprise, sand zombies. Not to mention the tarp zombies. Notice that the people buried under the sand were all killed, and we saw the bullet casings. They were not shot in the head, so they could be zombie weapons. So Podkist Ken, who runs the longest running KISS podcast on the internet and is a friend of the show, uh, check that out if you want. But I think what he's saying here is these, this was a specific trap. These people were shot and killed, but not killed in the head, not shot in the head. And (laughs) yeah, and then buried under the sand on purpose. So when the next person comes along, oh, look, pull out a bag suddenly there are, you know, a bunch of sand zombies around. 
Right. So instead of a bag, it should have been a sign that said treasure. Yeah, or or a, a couple of big bags with dollar signs on them. Oh, even better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, and and that could be true. I, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what the show was going for here. Um, but it does seem strange that there would be a bunch of zombies buried under a sand pile and that just happened by accident, uh, you know? Well, I, I guess I kind of assumed that they dumped the sand in order to protect themselves from the horde of zombies that was coming across the bridge. And in the last ditch effort to save themselves, they dumped the sand, burying all the zombies, and they all went, oh, well, I'm glad that's over. Let's go. And then they all left. Sure, but then, and the bullet casings are just a coincidence, but Heath seemed to really think there was some significance to them. And they they made them, I mean, they showed it to us, the viewers on the show. So I think Ken actually has a point here that this was a setup. They killed these people. The bullet casings were on the ground. They didn't pick them up before they unloaded the, the dump trucks. And they purposely, purposefully uh, buried these people in sand shortly after killing them, knowing that they'd reanimate in the sand pile and then be ready to attack the next person who came along. I, I like the idea and I think it's a, I think it's a good one. I don't think we'll ever find out. I think we're no. done with the bridge. Oh, I, uh, I, I think we're absolutely done with the bridge, but, uh, that, you know, that kind of explains it. Otherwise, what was the point of those shell casings? They're just there and Heath likes to exclaim, Tara, wait! Or whatever he said. Or when they get to the point where they're making bullets and uh, Eugene goes, you know what? I need some shell casing. Anybody know yeah. where any brass is? And Heath will, who have showed up by then, not as a zombie because he's not dead. Uh, he'll go, uh, yeah, there's a bridge full of Zen zombies that uh, there's a whole bunch of casings there if you want them. It's on the way to the guns. Oh, cool. <laughs> we'll pick those up. We'll go get the guns and uh, we're good to go. <laughs> Maybe the significance is that now we know where there's brass shell casings. Yeah. Okay. You you could be right. You could be right. Uh, but let's move on. Beth in Scotland writes, my holy crap moment from this week is the whole walkers on the bridge bit. I'm sorry. I know humans are a threat now, but does that entirely negate the threat of walkers? Tara managed to get past the walkers on the way there and the way back in a scenario that would have been the death of at least a few minor characters in the first couple of seasons. I get it. They are so capable now. Things that used to be a threat no longer pose any danger. But please, since when did we lose the tension around walkers? It just wasn't there. And I don't mean we need new and exciting and crazy ways of having walkers, i.e. buried in the sand, but just a wee bit of honest-to-goodness tension. I don't know, Jason, was it too easy for Sarah, uh, for Terra to break through those zombies? Yeah. I mean, zombies are definitely not a threat anymore. I mean, the, he, you know, uh, Beth is absolutely right in that if this was uh, season two and Otis was still here, he would have died running across uh, a bunch of zombies. But for our intrepid heroes, a uh, group of zombies... You know, sure, it can raise some tension, but I think it's a, an easily, uh, you know, surmountable obstacle. It's like when I go into my uh, into my bedroom and I look up at the uh, the ceiling and there's a spider up there. You know, do I freak out? No. Uh, you know, it's a spider. I'm going to worry about it dropping into my gaping maw while I'm sleeping. <laughs> but generally Gross. what I'll do is I'll track it down and uh, either kill it uh, or... Uh, 
put it in a jar and take it outside and throw it at a tree or something. <laughs> take Go that. fly, be free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you spiders know, fly after all. When I was a kid and I saw a spider... You know, I'm, it might have been an insurmountable thing where I would go and get an adult for help. But now that I am an adult and I know how to deal with spiders and I'm pretty sure that I could stomp on it and uh, kill it without too much trouble, uh, I don't really think of spiders as an insurmountable uh, obstacle. Now, you know, if it was 50,000 spiders on the ceiling in my, uh, my bedroom, I think I'd probably think twice about trying to clean that up myself that, that's a that's a burn the house down problem jason Fifty thousand <laughs> spiders that's that's like you know i know a lot of my stuff is in here but but i'm getting getting the fuck, flares out of the car yeah but fuck <laughs> that like that's that's not something you uh can handle on your own right that's a, that's a spider apocalypse that's is a, what that is it's a kill it with fire spider apocalypse yeah right but you know a few spiders here and there is not really an insurmountable uh uh, obstacle. And right. I think it's the same thing with the zombies. You know, the zombies are a little more problems than, than spiders and they, uh, you know, they don't eat insects. I don't think zombies eat in- insects, do they? No, they mostly eat people. All right. So there's no, there's no reason to keep them around. No, right? exactly. Spiders, you know, I don't want to kill a spider if I don't have to, because generally I like it that it eats flies and bugs and various things that I don't like. I like spiders more than I like those nasty things. So I generally try and keep spiders around, but I don't, like I said, I don't want them dropping into my maw while I'm sleeping. Right. No, you want them outside, basically. Outside somewhere where they can catch a fly or hidden, a spy, or... hidden in the walls. Like when you, if you can't see yeah. them, it's fine. Yeah. So I've, I read somewhere that you're never more than eight feet away from a spider. That's fine. Right? Get right now? Around. I yeah. Don't, I don't <laughs> right s- now. I don't see any spiders. Yeah, and I also read that there's an average of six insect legs in every uh, chocolate bar. So, take that. <laughs> uh, delicious. That's where you get your chocolate bar protein, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, well, um, I like your spider analogy, but it doesn't even, it doesn't seem, to Beth's point, it doesn't seem like the characters on the show even really think about other, like, alternatives now to when they're faced with a zombie problem. So they come to a bridge. They know there's, at least on the way back, they know there are zombies on this bridge. Do Tara and, who she, she was with Cindy, do Tara and Cindy ever for one minute think, maybe we shouldn't try to run across this bridge. Maybe it would be better to swim under the bridge across Find the river. Find a boat. Build a boat. Yeah. Chop down a tree, carve out, you know, hollow it out, make a canoe. Whatever. Well, I mean, you, you could probably find something to cross the river. Probably. Sooner than building it. Now, I know Tara fell in the water and she was washed away. So maybe this is a very fast flowing river. They know this, but like they don't even consider any of their options. They're like, we're going to run through this giant crowd of zombies in an enclosed space like a bridge. Um, it kind of doesn't make sense when you think about it. And and the characters don't seem to worry about it. So why should we as the audience? And that's a problem. Some bridges have walkways underneath. Yeah, that's right. You could break the lock and open the gate and just, you know, walk underneath the bridge. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't, maybe this one did, didn't, I don't know. Uh, but there, they, there, there could have been another option here than running through the big crowd of zombies. Even though you have someone covering you, that doesn't even seem that safe because they're shooting into a crowd of zombies of that you're in feels like a good way to get shot by accident. It looks like a big river, right? It yeah. was probably a couple of hundred meters wide. No, I don't it's think it was that wide. It was maybe a couple hundred meters. feet wide. All yeah. right. So, okay. It was wide enough that it needed a bridge. 
right? A significant bridge. Oh, yeah. Usually when you have a car bridge like this that crosses a river, if you stand in the middle of the bridge and you look upriver and you look downriver, there's a good chance that you are going to see a train bridge that is very close to that. Oh, yeah. So, you know, trains, train tracks were a big part of uh, a previous season when uh, with the Terminus. So, you know, find a train bridge. There's probably a train bridge. Ask around. Say, is, you know, is there train tracks around here? Yeah, there's train tracks just like 40 feet that way. It's like, okay, well, there's a bridge 40 feet that way then. Yeah. Cindy would, might have known that too. Yeah. So there's, there, like you say, there's options. There's the uh, make your own damn canoe. There's, uh, you know, walkway underneath. There's find a train bridge. Uh, there's make a raft. You can always just make a raft and, you know, apparently there's bamboo everywhere. Uh-huh. So you just make your, your raft and a bamboo pole and, uh, you know, just kind of pull your way across. Pull your way across. Well, we'll talk about the bamboo in a minute, but before that, we've got some other stuff. All right. So next we have a call from uh, Cassie in London. Hi, it's Cassie from London. Um, With regards to the card that Tara found, the PPP card, does anyone else think that maybe Heath was saved by one of the saviors um, and maybe the saviors dropped the card? Maybe it's an access card to their compound might play a big part in how they get Daryl back. That's the kind of lines I'm thinking along. Um, I don't know. I just think that this card is going to play a huge, huge part in a, in a storyline to save Daryl. Maybe because I want Daryl to be saved. I need Daryl back in my life. Um, as sad as that sounds, I'm sure many other people think the same. But yeah, I think one of the saviors saved Heath from the zombies. I don't think he managed to get out of that by himself. Um, loving that Tyra is back. I massive girl crush. Um, yeah, loving it. Loving the podcast, guys. Um, I'll keep on listening. All right. First of all, Jason, everyone uh-huh. needs a little Daryl in their life, so that's fine. Oh, of course, that's totally. I was just fine. talking to my mom earlier tonight. She said almost exactly the same thing. Oh yeah. She's like I'm getting kind of tired of all these different storylines. Just give me Daryl. Just put Daryl on the screen and that's it. Really? She she uh I mean I thought I mean I know she's a big JDM fan. Yeah. But she's, but she's been a Daryl fan of this show for longer than uh, you know JDM. She doesn't like uh Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character in this. She wants him to be uh charming and the love interest of uh, a strong female lead. Is that's what my mom wants. Got it. But uh, she can't have that. She this is because that's not part of this show. Jeffrey Dean Morgan being the strong, charming love interest of some female character. Uh, so failing that, what does she want? She wants Daryl on the screen. Okay, I can see that. Well, listen. Um, a, a side note here, really quick. Uh, you can tell your mom something I learned about Jeffrey Dean Morgan today, earlier today. Cool. He owns. He he own, He lives in a little town in upstate New York. At mm-hmm. least at least. Part of the year. That's close. We can walk there. Well, it's a little, no, not quite. It's a little farther. It's, I think it's about an hour and a half, uh, from Manhattan. So it's pretty, okay. pretty far from here. Um, but if I ever drive to Manhattan, I'm definitely going through his town because he owns a candy store in the town and apparently he co-owns it with Paul Rudd. So mm. when you think about it, Ant-Man and Negan own a candy store together. Or maybe Ant-Man and the comedian own a candy store together because Paul Rudd's really pretty much only known for Ant-Man, right? Uh, yeah, other than the, <laughs> you know, 40 other 
Yeah, yeah. It's a thousand movies he's been in. He's he's been in a lot. Anyways, I think it I think it's a nice little story where these two guys live in this town. Both of them live nearby there. The candy store, the guy who ran it died. And they're like, well, we don't want to let the candy store go. So they together bought it. And now it's run by some other dude, but they, they own the candy store. All right. Fuck this working for a living, Chris. Let's buy a candy store. Like, What the hell are we doing? Well, I think that's a great idea. If, if you and I think we could, you know, make a solid living off co-owning a candy store. Well, downtown Toronto or somewhere, uh, you know, somewhere around your house might work. Eh, maybe you're downtown. I, somewhere touristy is better. Of course, it's expensive to own, you know, retail in the biggest tourist areas. Anyways. All right. Maybe a candy cart. A cart. You know, you know they, they're they <laughs> opening up the uh, the food truck uh, stuff in Toronto these days. And, you know, instead of just having uh, hot dog carts, uh, they're, you might allow you to have a candy cart. Oh, my God. Yeah. Every, they, everyone brings in a lot of different ethnic type food to these food trucks that they're starting. No one ever talks about candy truck. Yeah. Well, except for, you know. The ice cream truck. Well, ice cream truck. Yeah, it's not the same though. No, it's not the same. I mean, if you want uh... mobile, sorry, mobile bulk candy, you pull up to the yeah. corner, you roll up the garage door on the side of the truck, and it's a fucking bulk candy store. Fill up yeah. a bag, put it on a scale, weigh it. That's a great idea. Yeah, here's your three pounds of candy corn. Good luck. Good luck. That'll be twenty seven fifty or whatever it costs. Exactly. Right? Here's your four pounds of uh, chocolate <laughs> coins. <laughs> I think we may have an idea here, Jason. Yeah, I think so too. All right. We'll talk about that later. Uh, anyways, back to Cassie's call. Yeah. Okay. So the card on the ground. You think Negan has electronic security? Well, I went back and I, I watched through, I didn't watch at all. I skipped through uh, the, the Daryl episode, which took place at Negan's compound. Uh-huh. I don't, I didn't see any scenes that involved Dwight or anybody using a key card to open a door. And every time he opened the cell door for Daryl, it sounded like a key in a lock. Right. So it's very mechanical. Yeah, very mechanical. So I don't know that there's electronic key cards, but that doesn't mean there there isn't. And, you know, the, the thing that I think gives this theory some support is that, number one, Heath seems to have disappeared. So it does feel like maybe Heath was taken. Cassie used the term, you know, rescued or uh, saved by the saviors. I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it that. <laughs> Probably taken, kidnapped might be a good way to put well, maybe it. maybe saved by the saviors and everything's in quotes, right? Like this is what the saviors do is they save you sure. by bringing you, maybe they saved Daryl, right? It's like, Daryl, you've been saved. Uh, so now we're going to save you by saving you in this room. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think Heath would have been back at Alexandria had he made it there. So I think there's something to be said for the idea that Heath was taken away by the saviors. And this key card was dropped probably by accident. And now Tara has it. And somehow they're going to realize that this key card is important. And it's just another piece in the puzzle that's slowly coming together of how they're going to be able to, you know, get into the saviors compound to do whatever. It could be. I mean, if they have, uh, you know, one of their outposts was this giant satellite dish station, whatever the hell that thing was. Uh, so maybe they have, uh, maybe they like the idea of an electronic uh, security system. Sure. So they've, you know, they spend electricity on an electronic security system because, you know, shit's cheap. 
we know we get everything from everybody else. So maybe there's a community out there that uh, runs a hydroelectric dam of some kind. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, so, and then the other thing is the letters on it, PPP, at least what looked like three Ps. There has been uh, something in the show. Uh, first of all, it's a, it could be a code, right? We've seen the saviors put the letter A or various letters on sort of their prisoners' outfits, right? So it could relate to that. Or the other thing that a lot of people have pointed out is that PPP is, an, is sort of an acronym for something we've heard on the show before and recently and out of Negan's mouth. Do you know what I'm referring to? I do not. In the season seven premiere, he says it's going to be PP Pants City real soon. Oh. Now, I don't think the triple P has anything to do with PP Pants because that just seems so ridiculous. It's pretty, uh, <laughs> it's pretty lowbrow. <laughs> yeah, it is. But he said it and there's triple P. So maybe it's his favorite catchphrase. And uh, I don't know. You know, Terry Gilliam had a production company uh, when he was making Time Bandits and Brazil and, uh, you know, around that time, his production company was called Poo Poo Productions. No kidding, and really? No kidding, really. Because <laughs> he liked the idea of high muckety muck bigwigs sitting around a board table talking finances and having to say the word poo poo. <laughs> Good old Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Genius. <laughs> genius. Even right to the left, you know, just just flat out genius, uh, you know, doing stuff like that. So it could be that, uh, yeah, it could be PP Pants. Uh, it could be that, uh, well, there's two other possibilities. One is that uh, the saviors are pretending to have electronic security. If you show up with that card and they see you with it and it has PPP written on it, they're like, okay, bloop, 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 you can go in. You know, they just are mm. pretending to have electronic security. I guess. Uh, you know, just for fun. Well, that the other thing fun. is, uh, we completely and utterly discounted the possibility that Heath turned into that card. What? Maybe that is Heath. Uh, I don't think that's a possibility. No, I, I, I we, we just kind of uh, assumed that it's not Heath. I think that's right, but you know, I just wanted to bring it up. It is one of the possibilities that Heath turned into that card. Well, <laughs> doesn't Tara pick it up and say something weird like, "I hope this is you." She does. Go <laughs> seriously. Go look back. It's like I hope this is you. And okay, maybe he turned into it. That's bizarre. Maybe he turned into the card. I don't know. That's really weird. Uh, all right, let's listen to our next call. I think it's related to uh, Becca in, from Becca in Florida. Hey guys, great show. Um, I just had a quick comment about Heath's glasses. Um, I had a theory that perhaps we saw Heath's glasses broken. Um, because maybe the saviors overtook him. And um, I see the bridge as maybe a choke point uh, for the saviors' territory. And they overcame him after Tara had fallen off the bridge and his glasses were broken in the struggle. And he somehow pulled um, that card out of one of their pockets. I seem to remember Dwight used a similar card to gain access to different places in the compound, the Savior's compound previously. So my idea is that after Tarek went over the bridge, Heath somehow made it back out towards the vehicle, and he was overcome by Saviors who had maybe watched the whole thing or had been alerted, alerted to them being at the bridge. And in a tussle, his 
glasses were broken and um, a, a clue was left for Tara. Anyway, um, I don't know. Just my thought. Uh, cheers. Yeah, thanks, Becca. So same same idea that, uh, you know, Heath was taken by the saviors. Uh, there was a struggle. His glasses got broken. Fair enough. Um, and the card, you know, the card is a clue. It's a clue. Well, of course it's a clue. Yeah, of course. And and now I remember Becca's call is why I went back to look through the episode to see if if uh, Dwight used a card anywhere. I didn't see it, but to be fair, I kind of fast forwarded through kind of, I didn't watch it start to finish. So it's possible that I missed something, but uh, uh, I don't know. We, we will have to see, but uh, let's uh, let's keep going. All right. So next we have an email from Jenna in Nashville. Uh, Jenna writes, bamboo is extremely invasive. I live in Tennessee and there are long stretches of creek lined with the stuff. Bamboo also grows super fast. I would imagine if anyone had decorative bamboo that was left unintended, it would flourish. A lot of campgrounds plant it between tent sites to give the illusion of privacy between campers. The Oceanside group seems to be in a fenced off campground. Uh, the kind with little cabins as well as open spaces. Tara is sneaking through bamboo and other trees when she enters the community. Yeah, so this is related to your uh, questioning of where the bamboo came from. The other thing that a lot of people pointed out, Jason, is that you and I on Monday, and I'm going to say mostly you. Mostly me, of course. Focused on the fact that the girl and Cindy were using a spear made out of bamboo. And we're like, where the hell did she get the bamboo? And we didn't seem to realize that Tara walks into this campground, basically sneaking through a forest, a giant forest of bamboo. Yeah, we're idiots. I mean, everybody knows that. I know that. You know that. (laughs) Everybody who, you know, can hear the sound of my voice knows that. Sure. Uh, And, you know, we don't hide it. We're just two guys talking on the internet. Yeah. You know, we see a bamboo stick or I see a bamboo stick. I talk about a bamboo stick. I fail to see other bamboo, you know, living in the forest, you know, <laughs> lots of bamboo everywhere. Pretty much everywhere. So Okay, uh, so that, that explains it. That's where she got the bamboo. I'm fine. Thanks. Yeah, it, it really does, actually. I can admit when I'm wrong. So I open your eyes. Oh, yeah, we're in a bamboo forest. Fair enough. Oh, the bamboo. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Jenna. Next is Sven on the internet writes, listen to your podcast, and you said you wanted some feedback on a couple of things, cool. especially Tara being wise to the ocean team's plan to kill her. Yeah, she was. Natania denied Cindy going with Tara to Alexandria because she knew she wouldn't kill her. Instead, she sent two people who would. And Tara understood this just in time. Um, Cindy knew what was going to go down, so she snuck out and prevented the murder. Which is good, because Alana Masterson really shone in this episode. I loved it. I also liked Heath's zombie face. Too bad it wasn't him. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't Heath. Um but yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh Natanya sends the people who are willing to kill Tara and not the one who doesn't want to kill her. Okay, I can understand that argument. Yeah, and and uh it, it's sort of I guess they wanted to lead her away and you know, it it does sort of make sense when you think about it when someone says, you know, stay with us and she says no. And you know, the attitude of these people is that they kill everyone who comes near them. Are they really going to all of a sudden be like, ah, okay, we'll change our whole mind. You can go. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to, you know, join us or die. 
No? Okay, you can go. No problem. Yeah. These two people are going to go with you with guns, by the way. <laughs> and they're going to walk behind you and pull out yeah. knives as soon as something uh, goes wrong. Yeah. Okay, so that, that argument uh, holds water for me. I think it works. I think it works. I think I either grossly misinterpreted that scene or the, uh, Scott Gimple failed to show me what was uh, supposed to happen. Well, it's, the, it's clearly his fault. Well, obviously. I like everything. I mean, yeah. You know, if the ratings are falling, it's not my fault. No, you're still watching I'm, it. I'm watching the show. <laughs> you're doing everything you can to support yeah. the ratings, right? Yes, I, I, yes, I am. It's, right. uh, it's Scott Gipple's fault, obviously. Obviously. All right. Next, we have a call from Mark in Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Mark in Fort Worth, Texas, which I'm sure one of you have already said by now in the introduction. <laughs> Just some feedback. There is no doubt Tara knew that they were going to do something to her. If you see how she was in the entire episode, she was confident, aware of her surroundings in a technical sense. And for her to suddenly just be alarmed by a zombie is kind of far-fetched in my opinion. I believe that was just a perfectly executed plan on her part to get away. In regards to the description of what the saviors did to the women's men. I don't think it's necessarily telling us how terrible he still is in Negan. That is, I just think it's also describing how far his reach is and how he's known in a lot of areas that some of the viewers may not know. Right. So regarding the Negan thing, I, I think I was saying earlier this week that, yes, we get it. Negan's a bad guy. We don't need to keep being told that in different ways. Um, and I don't entirely agree with Mark here. I think I think a big point of this was like, OK, Negan lined up all the men over 10 and and executed them. That's pretty clear, a pretty clear sign that he is not a nice guy. But it might not have just meant that, right? It's, it's, it shows his, uh, his reach. He, he is everywhere. Negan is everyone and is everywhere. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's in your face. He's, uh, he, he's everywhere. He can hear you. He can see you. He's got satellites. He's, uh, he's got electronic security. He's everywhere. Boy, he has all the cool toys, doesn't he? Yeah. He probably has a hydroelectric dam. Yeah, probably. And maybe even a nuclear power plant. Uh, that would be nuts. It'd be pretty nuts. And dangerous but, uh, for yeah, him. Just because all the, uh, the people in the, uh, working in the nuclear power plant turn into zombies doesn't mean the nuclear power plant stops working. No, right? I wouldn't. Actually, so. probably the opposite. It just keeps going would, and going and going. Well, it probably, uh, once the, uh, the water level drops below the, uh, the, the rods, then, uh, it, things start getting really interesting. So there's probably nuclear power plant explosions. Like you can't just leave those things alone, right? You got to shut them down. If nobody shuts them down, they get iffy. Eey, that doesn't make me feel very good about the impending <laughs> zombie apocalypse. Well, no, of course not. <laughs> Zombies aside. Uh, okay, next we've got, uh, it's me, right? Kate in Sydney, yeah. Australia. Kate sure writes, thing. when the new group was explaining what had happened to all of their men, the thought occurred to me that their men could have been those living at the satellite station and the skirmish with another group was actually with Alexandria. 
That could have been huge and unexpected and would have fit right in with what Heath brought up, that ambushing and killing a group of unknown people was maybe not the most morally responsible thing to do. Unfortunately, we just got another group that's been terrorized by Negan and co. We get it. He's evil. How, how, how great would that have been if... That would have been cool. Yeah, if the, if the Oceanside women were talking about how, you know, a, a group terrorized us and killed all our men, and it turns out it was everyone at the satellite station and the killers were from Alexandria. That's, that's a pretty big twist. I think that would be great. And Kate, uh, most likely The Walking Dead is going to be looking for a new showrunner soon. So <laughs> I would advise you to head over there and uh, put your hat in the ring. Get your resume together. You know, whether you've ran a show before or not, just throw it in there and say, look, I it's had the this- Walking Dead. They don't care. Oh. <laughs> touche, Jason, touche. <laughs> yeah. Very good. No, uh, I think that would have been fantastic. It, I, I think that would have been a great idea. I like that idea. In an alternate universe, that idea exists and I'd like to see that show. Yeah. Well, invent your, um, I don't know, alternate dimension machine so you can travel between these universes and then yeah. let me know how it is. It's my hole tube. It's called a hole tube, and I can uh, I can travel through the holes in the tube to get to alternate universes. <laughs> I'm gonna go break out the hole tube and yeah, it's have... not a great name. Yeah, no, granted, <laughs> it's it's not the worst name. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not really. All right, all right. Moving on. Next, we have uh, Georgia in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, yeah. She put the exclamation mark in her name, so I included it. Yeah, no, I I read that correctly, Georgia. <laughs> That's right, you did. All right, Georgia writes, uh, the fact that they didn't show Tara grieving about the death of Denise or Glenn made me so mad. I was excited to see Tara break down and be distraught and angry, but all we got was her sitting on the floor with Rosita. I think this is such a shame that I reckon Alana Masterson uh, would have done such a great job reacting to the death of her girlfriend and best friend. Yeah, so I I, uh, ordered this in the wrong place. I should have put this up before when we were talking about it, but yep, it's, uh, it, it is what it is. They missed an opportunity here to to have Alana Masterson just do one more great thing in this episode. Maybe they'll have her do a great thing in the next episode. Ah, you, you she could, or she won't be in it at all. I don't know. Yeah, it could be, you know, uh, she'll be in the second half of the second part of this season. Yeah, well, she or she won't be back on the show until the beginning of season eight. The way, be sad. The way they're doing stuff. All right, next. She, they should give her a spinoff show is what they should do. The, uh, the Terra show? Well, they should get Dr. Denise back alive somehow and have them be in a spinoff show. Oh, that would be nice. That would be sort of a, uh, buddy cop movie for Tara and yeah, Denise. see, buddy cop. Now you're talking about buddy, it. Buddy doctor, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen. All right, Steve on the internet sent an email and he writes, you suggested that it's obvious that they're going to team up with the new community and use their guns against the saviors. I'm not that convinced, and the final scene was a display of Tara's conviction about keeping her promise in spite of the benefit that could be gained. For starters, there's no way anyone is approaching that community without getting mowed down, so I'm really feeling at this point that we won't ever see them again. I'm pretty sure Tara doesn't want to put more of her family in the firing line of people who are dangerous and should be left alone. Okay, so if Tara can get in there past the guards uh, in their towers, uh, Jesus is going to be able to get in there and steal all the guns before they can set off their little clicky thing. Well, if anyone can do it, it's Jesus. 
for yeah. sure. Uh, and, and I think there is about a 0% chance that we're never going to see the Oceanside community again. Yeah. Right? So It's, yeah. they're there. Sure, they were going to kill Tara, but she got away. Um, you know, that may change the attitude of the Alexandrians when they go back to Oceanside, you know, because Tara realizes that they, were, they weren't actually going to let her go. But whatever happens, that's not the last we've seen of them. I just, no. I just can't believe it. Jesus could get their guns and all their bamboo. He could, and they'd be sitting around wondering where their guns and bamboo went, and he'd be back at uh, the hilltop making spears and everything. They just, you know, they wake up one morning and look around and go, seems to be a lot more space around here. It <laughs> seem roomy. It seems I, a little roomy around here. I, I tried to see farther. Yeah, yeah. I tried to make a new spear and I just have nothing to make it out of. I don't know what happened. Didn't we have a shed full of guns? <laughs> I thought we had a shed full of guns. Yeah. I, what happened? Where's our clicky things? <laughs> That's All right. our clicky things are gone. And the bells are gone and the air horns. Uh, Everything's gone. Boy, yeah. Well, we need Jesus to pull off some something like that. Darn right. All right, next we have an email from Mark in Baltimore. The tension at the end isn't whether Alexandria will become aware of Tara's secret in Oceanside. It's whether they will take the guns forcibly or team up. It's the how Alexandria gets the guns that will reveal something about our characters. Quicker, easier is the dark side. Yeah, they are either going to walk in there and try to be friendly and say, hey, we need help. You know, we know these guys, they were mean to you. They were mean to us. We want to do something about it. We also have, you know, a bunch of guys from the hilltop and a bunch of people from the kingdom. So there's a lot of us. Or they're going to somehow go in there and not be so nice about it and try to steal all their guns and all their bamboo. Right. So fear leads to hate. Hate leads to anger. Ang- anger leads to incredulity. Incredulity? Incred- Incred- <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for there? I, I know the word. Incredulousness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And while that leads to uh, feeling generally uneasy about things and feeling generally uneasy about things leads to the dark side. It does. And our characters have been to the dark side and sometimes... You know, the dark side is quicker, easier, more seductive, so... They... But the dark side has lightning. The light side does not have lightning. The dark side has lightning coming from your fingers, zapping people, you know? Are you okay, sure? Okay, so yes, it is It is seductive. It is, absolutely. Because I want lightning coming from my fingers, Ooh. and if that means going to the dark side and becoming a uh, puppet of the emperor, you know, so be it. Yeah, but the lightning... Can a can a light side Jedi shoot lightning as well, but they choose not to shoot it at people? I've never seen it. Maybe they just use it to start campfires. Like, I remember playing uh, Knights of the Old Republic, and the only time I ever got to shoot lightning out of my fingertips was when I was evil, when I was on the dark side. Oh, what a great game that was. I it loved, was. What was the name it. of that robot, the evil robot? He was awesome. I don't know, but he called people meatbags, right? Everybody was a meatbag. It yeah. was awesome. It was great. That was my first introduction to the term meatbag, and I've been using it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> good game. Very good game. Chris in the UK writes, there's been a lot of comment about wasting time on minor characters. I'm not sure that's a concept that is helpful. It assumes that characters have an assigned value and that that value cannot change. Surely a character can be allowed to change in status over time, and after this episode, I, for one, am happy for Terra to be upgraded. 
every one of our people that the saviors uh, have killed so far has had a significant other and Tara completes the set of Maggie, Sasha, and Rosita. That alone elevates her status. True. Yeah, Chris makes a good point. I mean, you can't say that you can't do an episode about Tara because she's a secondary or tertiary character or a minor character at some point. She's just a character and she gets her moment. I mean, characters come and go and it's not fair to say that this episode was a waste of time because it was about Tara. That's true. And, and, and I hope we didn't go to, I hope we didn't imply that too much on Monday, which we may have. And like the entire internet, oh, well, a good portion of the internet seems to feel that way. But uh, Chris is absolutely right. It doesn't, it doesn't help or serve any purpose to say that, you know, we can't have an episode about Tara cause she's minor because you could say the thing about Aaron at one point, but now I feel like Aaron has stepped up a little bit, right? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Or even Eugene, you, you wouldn't feel bad an episode about an episode about Eugene now, would you? No. And I think we're going to get one soon. Yeah, we should. If he's going to make bullets, we need a Eugene episode. We do. We just need him sitting around a table, making bullets and throwing well, them in a box. We need him talking to somebody because without him talking, it's, we just got to look at his hair. Ooh, yeah, you don't want I mean, that's do okay that. for five minutes or so, maybe 15, but uh, 44 minutes or 48 minutes or whatever they're doing now, uh, you know, that's a long time to look at somebody's hair. So he's got to talk to somebody. He does, but talking is the thing I like most about Eugene. Or exactly. at least the way he talks. So yeah, that will be okay. But all I'm saying is, you know, Eugene was a new character at first and even, and Rosita, you know, and, and, uh, they could have been called very minor characters for a while. And, uh, but now look at them. Now they're a, not a, maybe not a huge part of the show, at least certainly not uh, Eugene, but I wouldn't be upset if they did an episode sort of about him. So yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair, and uh, I'm going to stop doing it. Yeah. Okay. Bad, Chris. So bad now that we've me. had, uh, not you, I mean, not Chris in the UK, you, Chris, bad, Chris. <laughs> Good Chris in the UK. Good Chris bad in the UK. Chris bad in Canada. Chris in Canada. So now we've had a Jason and a Miles and a Chris. Yep. Do we have somebody named Fairhurst? No, I don't think so. But if we have a listener out there whose first name is Fairhurst, send it in, because that would be amazing. <laughs> Please email us. Or hey, even if your last name is Fairhurst, you never know. Yeah, well, you know, we'll complete the set. I've got some cousins. I don't know if they listen to us, though, but I know I know one of my cousins watches the show. Mike, if you're listening, I'll see you on Saturday. We're going to get together. I have a cousin named Miles Miles. What? Really? I swear to God. That's Miles weird. Miles. That's he was, he, he was, uh, it was, his first name was Miles and his last name was something else, but then his mother married into the family and he was adopted and his last name became Miles. And, and, and uh, I'm an idiot. I should clarify that my cousin, Mike, his last name is not Fairhurst, <laughs> 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 which, you know, I'm not, I'm not a moron. Well, I don't I, understand I kind of your story then. Yeah, I know. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Uh, in fact, no, I... Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Heather from Kansas City writes, I've very much enjoyed these bottle episodes this season, and I've been wondering why, since so many other fans have hated them. It occurred to me that I'm, uh, that I'm just not all that broken up about Glenn and Abraham's death. When you lose someone, whether to death or a breakup, there's a period of mourning when you feel super crappy about it, and, and it really sucks to be around people who aren't mourning and are feeling super crappy when you are. Uh, the bottle episodes 
are making the viewers who still feel super crappy about what happened watch the people who may uh, maybe aren't so broken up about it yet, such as Carol or Morgan, Heath or Tara. What the viewers really want to see is Alexandrians feeling as miserable as the viewers do. So some characters feel super crappy. Some characters don't feel super crappy. The audience feels super crappy and super crappy, super crappy, super crappy. So we want to commiserate with people that uh, feel the same way that we do. Right. And the show isn't giving that to us yet, right? We've had too much with the characters who uh, don't, I guess, don't know necessarily what happened or like Tara, when they find out, don't seem to have the emotional reaction that we all had. And that's not fun for us. Yeah. No, and I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, Heather. I worked at a booking agency uh, in the 90s, just to go off on a tangent here. Uh, uh, <laughs> and I remember working in the office one day, and this father and daughter came in. They booked uh, horses. So they did uh, horse rides, uh, you know, Santa's arrivals by horse and that kind of thing. So they had a, a ranch, and they booked various horse uh stuff for the booking agency. And they came in one time and I was sitting in the office and they were waiting for uh, my boss to get done on a call. And they were just chatting with each other and it just became obvious that they were just happy. These two people were just content and happy in being, being with each other and being father and daughter and just very content. And it pissed me off so much. I hated them with every fiber of my being because at that moment, I had recently broken up with my girlfriend and I was very unhappy and I totally, totally hated them. <laughs> that seems like a bit of an overreaction, but I understand your point. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be around super happy people when you're feeling miserable. And, you know, I, I don't think everyone on the show is super happy, but uh, we haven't quite had the emotional connection uh, to all of these characters that that we feel like we want. Right. Especially when Scott Gimple comes along and says this season's going to be about, you know, the emotional fallout and the characters mourning what the loss. Right. Yeah. And then we don't see that. And then we don't see that. That's the problem. So that's, yeah. you know, that's what Heather is saying. And I think we can blame it all on Scott. Of course. Let's write him a letter. We blame you. We blame you for all the problems this season has had and uh, the ratings that are that are happening. And uh, we need you to be, uh, we need you to be replaced. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I, I Kate, preferably. Yeah, that's right. We we have a cl we have a candidate in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. If, you know, if we have any say in in the matter, <laughs> which we do not, but which we do not, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for everyone who wrote and called in. That is it for our feedback this week. A little longer than usual. We usually do about an hour of feedback, um, but here we go. It must have been that long, uh, you know, ratings discussion off the top that threw us off, but probably. Good times were had, and uh, sorry, Scott Gimple, we don't mean to pile on, but sometimes you just have to, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, if it's your fault, it's your fault. <laughs> it's right. Step up, be a man, take some responsibility, and uh, that's that. All right, so um, we've got two more Walking Dead episodes, Jason, before the uh, well, before it's done for the hiatus, and uh, we will be podcasting about both of them, of course. We'll be back on Monday night when we're talking about Season 7, Episode 7. That should be fun. 
And uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. You can also send in voicemails by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on the send voicemail button on the side of the page. And now that we're into December officially, and uh, I would say that the holiday season is upon us, if, if, if judging by the lights in my neighborhood or anything. It uh, is definitely upon us. Yeah. It is all over us. It is spread on us like butter. It sure is. And you know what that means? That means people are doing holiday shopping. So what would be really, really fantastic and a very easy way to help support the podcast that we do here is to use our Amazon links. When you do your shopping at Amazon, just visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon, click on the country of your choice, and then everything you buy, a tiny little cut comes back to us. You won't even notice it. Doesn't cost you anything extra. And uh, we have no idea what you bought. So great, easy way to help support the show. You can feel good about it. We'll feel good about it. And, uh, you know, we know you're shopping at Amazon anyways, so use that link if you can. We really, really appreciate it. We do very much. You'll make my mom happy. Oh, come on. Everyone wants to make Jason's mom happy, right? Yeah. Yeah. She loves it when uh, her little boy gets a little cut from Amazon. It's one of her favorite things. (laughs) She told me that at your wedding. Yeah, she sure. She said to me, I know Jason's getting married today and that's great, but if, if he could just get a tiny cut from every purchase that people make at Amazon... It would make my life wonderful. Yes, that's what yeah, she's, she 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 tells me that every time that every time I talk to her on the phone. It's, that's what she said to me as I was walking her down the aisle to her seat. Yeah, good times. That in a, in addition to slow down, you're going too fast. <laughs> <laughs> my mom likes to be in charge of the pace. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a good time. Uh, all right, so that's it, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until m- next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. This is The Talking Tangent, a podcast dedicated to going off on tangents while talking about AMC's The Walking Dead. Hi, my name's Chris, and my name is... Uh, hey, did I ever tell you about the time I was unicycling around a town? Uh, I was dressed as a tuba, and uh, there was this girl, and uh, this was in the early 90s, and, oh, okay, let's just stop right there.